Welcome to Slate Church Online. It's so good to have you. My name is Brandon. I'm one of the lead pastors here alongside my wife, Emma, and Luke and Victoria Betker. From all of us as lead pastors, we want to welcome you to Slate Church Online. Listen, if you're here for the first time, we want to encourage you to fill out an online connect card. You'll see that pop up in the description or in the comment section right now. But if you're on YouTube, then you'll find that uh, linked below. We have an incredible uh, time ahead of us here. We're going to have some more a message, and we're really believing that this is going to encourage you today. So let's go into worship wherever you find yourself. Uh, it might feel awkward at the start, but turn up the volume a little bit more. Stand up to your feet, get your body moving. Let's worship our God for who He is. Uh, let's go.
What an incredible time of worship. We're so glad that you could join us and we're so thankful for our team that is able to put that together every single week. We love you all. Right now, we wanna go into a time of prayer. And uh, every single week here at Slate Church, we pray over the prayer request prayer requests that come in uh, from our church. Listen, if you want to submit a prayer request, you can go to slatechurch.com and submit a prayer or praise report uh, right there. And we would love to pray with you. We pray every single Thursday morning over Zoom now from 630 to 730. And uh, you can follow us by uh, accessing the Zoom link at slatechurch.com slash prayer. We would love to pray with you. But some of the prayer requests that we're going to pray over today, all together as a church, today we're praying for someone uh, that God would be able to move in their family and help his parents uh, navigate a difficult time. Someone else is in critical condition due to cancer. And so we're going to pray that her during this time, uh, she would be healed, but also that her children would come to know God. Someone else is praying that they, they would have wisdom and discernment in this season. Someone else is praying uh, that they would be more productive and exercise in the time that they, uh, the time that we find ourselves in. Someone else is praying for financial provision and a job opportunity. Someone else is struggling with recurring mental health issues due to the COVID situation. Listen, there is a lot of prayer requests in our church. Of course, there's far too many to get through uh, praying together right now. But again, we get to pray over these every single week. So we're really thankful for that. If you have a prayer request today, why don't you just symbolically raise a hand right now. And if you believe or have faith today, why don't you symbolically reach out even a hand towards the screen as we begin to pray uh, for all that uh, God is going to do, even in our church in this season. Let's continue to believe for Miracles Church, even in the situ season and situation that we find ourselves. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much that you are still in control. God, as we find ourselves in this season, and maybe some of us are feeling a little closed in by the place that we found ourselves in for the last number of weeks, not really being able to leave, God, we pray that our focus on you would not change. God, there is still so much to celebrate in this season. Help us to uh, keep a positive spirit about us, recognizing what's going in the, on in the world, but also believing that you're gonna continue to move. God, we thank you that you are in control, that you are bigger than this virus, bigger than and the effects of this virus. And God, we are trusting for everybody who submitted a prayer request or has a, a request of their own right now that you are gonna move mightily in the lives of everyone this week. And even today, even as we're praying, we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, isn't that awesome that we get to continue to bring our prayer request to God. We're also going to just thank God for some of the things that he's been doing over this past week. So someone is thanking God for uh, breakthrough, healing, and deliverance. That's awesome. Someone else is thankful for increased joy, peace, and energy. I could have written that one myself. I'm so thankful for those things myself. Someone is thankful for successful end to the school term. Uh, someone is thankful uh, to be able to connect with people through Zoom uh, during this season. Someone else is thankful for the books, an opportunity to learn. And someone else is thankful that um, this has been an opportunity for them to uh, escape some extremely negative, addictive, and unhealthy relationships. Hey, um, what an un expected praise report to come out of this season. So, hey, we're so glad that we can celebrate with you. And remember, as you're submitting your prayer requests, let's make sure we're continuing to thank God during this season. It can be really easy to just think about all the things that we need, but this is also a time to really thank God.
This is a season where our church has proved to continue to be the church. And we're really excited about that. We're thankful for all the ways that people are still contributing in this season. We're thankful for your generosity. And to encourage us in our generosity this week, I want to pass it over to Pastor Victoria as she encourages us. Hey church, to encourage us in our giving today, I would love to read to you from Matthew 6, verse 19 to 21. It says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I love these verses as it reminds me to have a heavenly perspective when it comes to my treasure and when it comes to my finances, that I get to be a part of investing into God's kingdom, building something that is so much greater than just my own lifetime, uh, that I actually get to be part of uh, storing of treasures in heaven through my gifts, through my treasure. So I just want to encourage you with that. I love what it says in the last uh, verse that for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. My heart is for this house. I love this church. I am committed to the mission that we are on. And I actually get to be strategic in where I place my treasure as my heart would also follow that. So I just want to encourage you when it comes to our giving today, there's lots of different ways that you can give. You can uh, you can see that on a slide here just in a little bit. You can give through text to tide, monthly giving, uh, whatever works best for you. Why don't we pray for our giving today? God, I thank you so much that we get to be a part of building your kingdom, that we get to store up treasures in heaven that are uh, that are eternal, God. We just pray that you will bless our giving today, that you will use it to advance your, your kingdom, God, and the good news of Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Church, we just want to thank you once again for your heart of generosity. It is really clear that uh, we're trusting God in this season and putting him first in our finances. We want to thank you for your continued generosity. We've been actually getting a lot of questions when it comes to our heart for the house. If you're unsure about what the what heart for the house is, uh, for us as a church, it's our opportunity once a year to give above and beyond our regular giving. We obviously want to encourage regular giving during the season. That's something that uh, we we want to continue to do, and a lot of you are doing, which is great. Um, when it comes to Heart for the House, um, this has obviously been a difficult season, not just for us as, as people uh, that attend Slate Church, because actually God's been taking care of a lot of us. Um, but it's a, it's a particularly difficult season that our world finds ourselves in. A lot of uncertainty, specifically a lot of economic uncertainty. When it comes to regular giving, we really believe that that's something that needs to be done in every season. It doesn't matter what season we find ourselves in, we need to continue with that. But when it comes to above and uh, beyond giving, I think this is where uh, we can use our wisdom, even as leaders of Slate Church. And as pastors, we've been discussing this a lot. Uh, we've been discussing it with our team and just discussing what we want to do with this. In short, just so you're aware, we will be postponing Heart for the House to a later date when the economic uncertainty that we find ourselves in is a little less uh, uncertain. Here's the thing, if you were planning on giving to Heart for the House and you have that set aside and you really wanted to give it, of course, we're not going to stop you from giving that. But we would encourage you to save that money that you were uh, planning on setting aside and just keeping it there. 
Truthfully, in this time that we find ourselves in, it's probably a good time to just make sure that your own bank account also has the extra finances in it. We plan to do Heart for the House this year. We know it will look a little bit different and we're okay with that. And truthfully, we're thankful for your generosity prior to this season that allows us to actually go through this. Listen, as lead pastors, we have a lot of vision for where we're gonna be going into the next year. We had a plan of launching a, an extension service uh, this year uh, before our next uh, our, our next Vision Sunday, that seems to still be a, a possibility as long as we're allowed to gather in large gatherings by about January. So if that's the case, we're still gonna do that. But we've also been ramping up discussions on what it looks like to do online church in an entirely different way. And so Heart for the House is still gonna be really significant to be able to make that happen. If you think what has been happening through church online so far has been great, you should see some of the plans and the dreams that are coming out. But we're just gonna delay the funding of that so that we can actually make it through all together wisely through the situation. Again, Heart for the House is delayed. If you would still like to give to that, feel free, but obviously there's no pressure and uh, you now you know the decision we're making as a church. All right, after that, we wanna let you know a bunch of the, uh, great stuff happening in our church right now. You know, every uh, every week we have great stuff happening. We've already mentioned our prayer mornings on Thursdays happen on Zoom, slatechurch.com slash prayer. We also wanna let you know that on uh, Tuesdays and Fridays, our worship team is putting out incredible worship content, drawing us into a heart of worship during this season. On Tuesdays, you can follow that on Instagram Live at 8 p.m. On Fridays, it's going on on demand on Instagram uh, on Instagram TV. And if you just go to Instagram, you'll be able to find that there. We also are starting up something really fun. We did it this past week, our first one, but we're really excited for what it looks like as the weeks continue. And it's called From the Couch. And this is where us as lead pastors are actually just having a candid conversation during the season, starting at 8 p.m. on Instagram Live. So we'd love for you to join it. Join us. If you don't have Instagram, listen, you don't need to follow any, anybody really, but what if you downloaded it just to follow our Slate Church account during the season so you could follow us there? It's really easy for us as a church to share content there, which is why we're doing that uh, there. For anything else, you're wondering what's happening. Uh, for instance, uh, communion on Fridays at noon, which is also a Zoom call. You can also go to slatechurch.com slash prayer. Uh, listen, for anything else that you're wondering what's happening or, or what's going on, are you looking for updates? Just follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram. I think there's even rumors of us getting a TikTok. I don't know what that's gonna look like, uh, but especially going to slatechurch.com so you can uh, hear everything that's going on uh, from us as a church in this season and staying connected. Hey, listen, I'm really excited for the, uh, the message that is to come. I've seen the diligence and the preparation that has gone into this one. A lot of wrestling thoughts, and we've been talking through this this past week, and I'm really believing it's gonna encourage you. Hey, that comment section that you see, if you're watching live right now, it's meant to be used. Why don't you engage with us today? Why don't you pull out a notebook? Why don't you pull out something else to be able to, to write on? And uh, why don't we just engage with what God is gonna speak to us today through Pastor Emma? Why don't you welcome her with me? Uh, let's get this. Hey church, just so excited to be with you here again today. You know, I was reflecting as I was preparing for this message and thinking about how we have now been meeting online. This is our seventh Sunday 
online. It's pretty crazy to think about that. It's crazy to think um, that we haven't been physically all together for that long. And you know, I'm missing you. I'm missing you guys. I'm missing seeing everyone week in and week out. For those of you who I haven't met in person yet, who have joined us during this online season, uh, I, I miss that I haven't been able to, to see you and, and get to know you in that way. And, and maybe you're feeling that way today too, where you're just like, ah, oh, it's hard not to see everyone. I mean, it's so great that we get to meet together as a church um, here online, but there's something about being in person. I just want to let you know, we miss you too. We are missing you in this season. But listen, church, I, I just want to continue to remind you that this is not a waiting period as a church. I know for so many of us, we're in this place of going, hey, we're waiting to get back to normal. We're waiting for normal life, but we are not waiting as a church. This is a chance and a time for the church to step up and continue to be the church. We get to be the church during this season. You know, as a church, we are contributors, not consumers. We are Jesus-centered and spirit-led. Um, we always bring our best. And listen, it's in a season like this, actually, that those values begin to drive our actions. The, the things that we say, hey, we're going to stand on and we're going to be grounded in, those things actually drive our actions. So let's be reminded that although things look different, obviously, than what they normally would. We get to be a part of still moving the church forward, loving people, seeing people far from God come into relationship with Him. And we are so excited to be doing that. But listen, if you are taking notes today, why don't you pull out your phone, pull out your notebook, take some notes. You can entitle this message, Bold Revelation. Bold Revelation. Why don't we pray together to get started? God, I thank you that we get to gather together um, across so many different rooms and so many different spaces today. Lord, would you just speak through me in a powerful way as I give this word that you have given to me? Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, listen, when, how many of us know that when everything changes, when things change around us, we don't always know what to do next. We can find ourselves going, okay, what is the next step? What does this look like? Uh, where do I find myself here? Maybe you found yourself doing that in this season. I know for me, I can think of another time where there has been kind of some unprecedented change where I'm like, where did I get, how did I get here? What do I do next? What does this look like? And that was in May of 2016. That is when we had our first daughter, uh, Kensington. She is so sweet. I can't believe that she is almost four years old. But I remember that spring like no other because we brought home this tiny little baby, completely helpless. And I remember getting home that first night and being like, okay, what do we do now? Like everything has changed. What is the next step? What do we do? And we're like, okay, we just kind of looked at each other. We're like, do we, you know, do the same normal routine that we would have at night? And we kind of started that. And then she would cry. And I'm like, oh, what do I do now? And what, what do I have to do here? And, you know, those first uh, six weeks and um, really forever, but those first six weeks of figuring out things with a newborn, you're just going, what the heck is going on? I remember going out to a grocery store when she was like two weeks old. And that's because I had uh, probably way too high of expectations on myself for a, having a first child. I mean, with the third child, we like traveled across the country when she was like two weeks old. So I mean, things change. But with a first child, I did not give myself enough grace. If you're having a baby right now, just stay home for six weeks and do literally nothing at any season at any point. Um, but we, I went out to the grocery store and I remember walking around and she started freaking out and she needed to be fed and I didn't know what to do. And I remember seeing people just like casually 
deciding which apple to pick or like what brand of cereal they might like to buy for that week. And they just had this calm, relaxed demeanor about them. And I have a two week old infant losing her mind in front of me. And I just felt like saying like, don't you see that the world has changed? Don't you see that everything has changed? Don't you see that everything is different now? Uh, help me. What the heck do I do here? What the heck do we do? And, you know, we're in a season right now as a society, as a world where we're experiencing that together. We're going everything has changed. And what do we do? What does this actually look like now? You know, at the beginning of Acts, and this is really where I'm going to focus in on today, is the book of Acts. So if you have your Bible, you can open it up there. We're going to be flipping around there. You can also use a feature in our online platform here where it says Bible just above the chat. You can click on there and you can find yourself in Acts. But at the beginning of Acts, we see that Jesus goes up to heaven. He ascends into heaven and everything has changed. This is unprecedented time for the Jesus followers for his disciples. The disciples are, are kind of like, well, what do we do now? We see this at the end, um, at the end of the gospels, kind of this, what do we do now mentality, uh, their routines, their normal, their savior is now gone to heaven. Everything has changed for them. And we see them meeting together and we see them praying together and we see them kind of going, okay, what does this look like going forward? You see, the book of Acts tells this story of how the way the Jesus movement, which now we understand as Christianity, really got started, really how the local church started and how this kind of news of Jesus, this good news traveled across far and wide. And it's kind of a bit of an overview, the book of Acts. It's a bit of a roadmap to understand the rest of the New Testament and where these letters and where these things fit into the timeline of this movement going forward. And so we see this overview uh, of this gospel of Jesus. And in the first several chapters, it really kind of talks about the first 10 years of the starting of the local church. And we see that taking place. We have this uh, Jesus ascending to heaven. And then we have Matthias chosen to replace Judas. Judas was the the guy who betrayed Jesus and basically uh, brought the guards to him and and to see him crucified. Uh, So he needed to obviously be replaced. He was dead at the time. And then bam, something crazy happens. So we find ourselves and the disciples going, what do we do here? What does this look like? This is unprecedented. What is our next step? And these things take place at the beginning of Acts. And then all of a sudden, something called Pentecost happens and everything begins to change again and a different direction starts to take place for these disciples and these people who follow Jesus. And Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes and fills them while the apostles are in an upper room. And people are basically like, what the heck is going on here? There are, uh, the Holy Spirit comes, fills them. People start talking in different languages and it's just this wild thing that starts happening. And people are going, what? is happening. What's going on with those people? Like, obviously uh, something has happened here. Obviously something is going on. And Peter stands up and he addresses the people. And he says, listen, basically in chapter two, he goes, listen, these people are not drunk. These people are not crazy. This is not chaos. That's not what's happening here. These people are not drunk. It is only nine in the morning. 
In verse 22, he says, fellow Israelites, listen to this. He's like, I know what's, I can point back to what's happening here. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him as you yourselves know. You were there, you were witness to it. You know what happened there. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked man, put him to death by nailing him on the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to hold on to him. So this is this is all coming. The Holy Spirit has come because Jesus died and rose again. And then basically Peter lays out the gospel message, the good news of Jesus for these people. In verse 38, Peter replied, repent and be baptized. What do you need to do? What's the action item? What is the response to what you are seeing happening here? Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord God will call. And we see after Peter talks about this, about 3,000 people are added to their numbers that day. 3,000 people decided, hey, I'm going to believe in Jesus, I'm going to follow him, and I'm going to go in this direction. And then we start to see this incredible pattern take place in these early chapters in the book of Acts. Basically, we start seeing that the disciples are healing people in Jesus' name. The power of the Holy Spirit is within them. The early church has now come together. These people are saying, I'm going to believe in Jesus. I'm going to follow him. They've come together. They are sharing with one another. They are building community with each other. They are are selling things. They are providing for every single need. And they are really coming together. And we are seeing numbers added constantly. People are constantly coming in and saying, I'm going to believe in Jesus. There's continuous growth. It is absolutely incredible. I mean, this is every pastor's dream that we would see people far from God come into relationship with him constantly and just see this constant growth. If you're a Christian watching this, this is probably your hope as well, that there would just be so many people who would get in touch with and start to believe this good news of Jesus, that we would see numbers added all the time. Listen, we celebrate being a large church, not because we're a large church, not because of that in and of itself, but because people matter. Seeing that people are coming into relationship with God, whether it's one person, hundred people, a thousand people, it is so exciting for us because that is really our mission. This is so amazing. You know, sometimes we can read these early chapters in Acts and we can feel like uh, we have a bit of like rose colored glasses on like, man, wouldn't it be so much better if this was the case? If I had all of my needs met, if I was able to meet the needs of other people, then I could serve. Then I would tell people about Jesus. Then I would be more uh, confident in my faith. Then I would know for sure that this is where I'm meant to be and have all of my questions answered. And wouldn't the church just be so much better? And of course, we can learn so much from the early church, but we also have to recognize that not everything was always easy. During this time, things weren't always easy. We see this uh, conflict come in in chapter six in verse one. When some uh, of the groups of Jews, uh, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained that their widows and the people that, that, that they, that belong with them, their widows were being overlooked compared to the Hebraic Jews when it came to, uh, serving meals and actually receiving food and that sort of thing. And it's like, what do we do with this? Obviously, there's some, uh, disputes about fairness and, 
it's kind of like if you if you go to a restaurant, if you can think right now of your favorite restaurant and someday you will go back there. It's kind of like going to a restaurant, sitting down, ordering your meal, getting your burger, getting your fries come out to you. And you're looking at the person's plate beside you and you're like, hey, they got they got a bigger order of fries. They got more fries on their plate than I did. And maybe you're even the type of person that calls the waiter over and decides to complain about that. And listen, if you're in the food industry, uh, you don't like these people very much, but but we can relate to this idea of, hey, they got more, more than I did. And basically the disciples respond and they say, listen, we are not waiters. We are not going to be able to deal with every little conflict that comes up. So we need to put some sort of board in place, some sort of governing authority, leadership in place to be able to deal with some of these different disputes and some of these different things that happen. So we see this take place. But conflict continues because Stephen, someone who was actually appointed to be on that leadership and on that board, actually gets stoned in chapter seven. We see that he is killed for the sake of Christ, for the sake of moving this gospel forward. And this causes persecution basically to spread throughout the entire church. All of a sudden, the church is being persecuted in another level, in another way. And in chapter 8, verse 1, it's interesting because a man named Saul, we see it right at the beginning of this chapter, actually approves of this stoning of Stephen. He's actually glad it happened. And, you know, Saul uh, really was persecuting Christians, killing Christians, coming against this Jesus movement full tilt. But I want to encourage you today. Maybe you're watching this and you're like, I don't know about this thing, Christianity. I don't know. My past is messed up. The things that I've done, the things that I've been through, they are, they are messy. And if I was actually honest with people or maybe even honest with myself, um, I, I would not be able to be part of this. I wouldn't be able to set foot inside a church. I wouldn't be able to be a part of a church. And I feel even kind of shame watching this because I'm not one of those people. Well, listen, Saul was not one of those people. He was adamantly against those people. But I want to encourage you today because Saul is the same guy who later becomes Paul. He has an identity shift because he meets Jesus on the road to go kill more people and the road to persecute more people. Jesus meets him right where he's at. He has an incredible transformative experience and his entire life shifts around, but he doesn't go just dwelling on the past and what was, he actually moves forward into what God wants him to do and, and the calling that he has on his life. He goes on to plant churches all over the place, spreads the gospel like no other. We see our church today because of the work that Paul did then. And it's just amazing to look at that. And so I just want to encourage you, just as a side note here, if you're here and you're like, I'm counting myself out, I encourage you, don't do that today because God is counting you in. God can use you in incredible ways. It doesn't matter how messed up your past is. Paul uh, was part of the reason why the church had persecution during this time, but it's incredible to see what God could do uh, with Paul's life and to see what happens there. But listen, this group of people after the stoning of Stephen, this group of people who have been meeting together, these Christians, people following the way, all of a sudden scatter everywhere. They couldn't even imagine meeting under one roof. That wasn't even on their radar because of the persecution and the risk involved. They were all over. Listen, church, we are experiencing something pretty serious as a society today. And we know that. We recognize that, uh, that this is a serious thing. And the idea of us being on one roof really isn't even on our radar right now. We recognize that we can't do that. We can't meet with hundreds of people right now under one roof. But listen, God is not asking his church, God is not asking you to lie down, to sit back, to cower in fear. 
That's not what he's asking you to do. Right now, he is asking us as a church to pop the clutch. He's asking us to shift into another gear, to keep pushing forward, to keep moving ahead. But I wonder, how do we do that in a time that is so unprecedented? How do we do that when we are full, perhaps, of fear and anxiety, uncertainty of what's going to happen next. Some of us, we feel like we're just trying to get through our day, let alone focus on someone else, let alone focus on the people around us and the needs that are being, uh, that are, that are out there for, for us to meet. Church, we need a new revelation today of who we are and what we are doing right now. And I'm not talking about a revelation just to be nice to someone else. I'm not talking about a revelation just to, just to think kind thoughts and to, to have these great motives, whatever. I'm talking about a God given revelation, an identity shift, an understanding of who we are and what we are called to do through Christ, what his word actually says for us to be doing during even a time like this. So what can we learn from the early church and the disciples about what it looks like to gain a revelation and do what comes next? We see that the Holy Spirit was poured out. They gained a revelation of who Jesus is. They gained power and they were able to do what, what comes next. So what do we need to do? Let's have four points for you. Write them down. This is the first one. We need to recognize that we are filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter two, verse 38, we read it a moment ago. Peter replied to the people who are wondering what the heck is going on here. Says, repent and be baptized each one of you and in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Listen, if you are a Christian watching this, you have received the gift of the Holy Spirit. You have received the fullness of the Holy Spirit within you. And with that comes the power of the Holy Spirit in you. You, sometimes we fail to recognize that. We've received this gift and then we feel like we have no power, like we are totally disempowered, like we have no ability, like we have no confidence, like we have nothing to stand on. Like it's just a nice thing to say or a nice thing to believe or someone else says it and that's great for them, but I don't know about it for me. I wanna tell you today that you have the full power of the Holy Spirit residing within you. Let's not forget about that. Let's not become so blind to it. Let's not become so comfortable in our faith that we just forget that we have the power of the Holy Spirit within us today. You see, when we seek out the power of the Holy Spirit and the fruit that's within us, we actually have access to the fruit of the Spirit. We actually get this uh, produce that comes out of us. We get uh, something that comes out that we can physically and tangibly understand and recognize when we recognize the power of the Holy Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And listen, you might hear that and you're like, I've heard this a million times. I know that rhyme. Maybe you know a little song about the fruit of the spirit. Maybe you uh, can, can tell those right back to me and you know them, you have them memorized. Maybe you have it written on a quote board somewhere or in a fancy way in your notebook or those sorts of things. Those are all good things. I'm glad you have that. But let's not become familiar with the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Like, listen, if we just stop to think about it, I could take a year on each one of these fruit of the Spirit, and I think that we would still be learning something from it. If we just break it down, even the first one that I said, love, imagine what would happen to the people in your world, to the people that you have access to, to your sphere of influence, if we had the harnessed potential of love 
brought out in our lives of the Holy Spirit. Imagine what would happen if we were to love people through the power of the Holy Spirit, not ourselves, not just mustering it up for ourselves, but actually recognizing, acknowledging, and praying for more of that in our lives, what it would look like to love people. This world needs love. Then we go to peace. Oh my goodness. Imagine that in our own lives, having this peace that surpasses this understanding, being able to carry that with us to the people around us and provide peace for them. Patience, kindness, and people need that. Goodness, self-control, faithfulness. We need to be faithful. I mean, there is so much within this, but we need to recognize that we are filled with the Holy Spirit, that we have access to that kind of power. We have access to seeing incredible, miraculous things take place by being uh, cognizant and acknowledging the Holy Spirit within us. You see, these fruit are not timid, set back, laid back sorts of things. These are powerful outputs in our lives. When we are exuding the whole, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, things happen. It doesn't lead to timidity. It doesn't lead to fear. It doesn't lead to hoarding our faith for ourselves. It leads to boldness. It leads to boldness, bold revelation. You know, our theme for this year, church, as a church is bold. And we need to be bold in our faith in every single season that we find ourselves in, including this one in the present. So the first thing that we need to recognize is that we are fully filled with the Holy Spirit. And the second is this, we need to pray. You see what happens here is that Peter and John are taken to prison for healing someone. And then they are let out of prison and released from prison because basically the authorities are like, we don't know what to do with these people. We don't know what to do with this Jesus way. We don't know what to do with these believers. Let's put some boundaries on them. Let's try to see what, what we can do here. Let's try to stop this thing. I don't know. What do we do with this? And so they're released from prison. And the believer's response in all of this was to pray. Chapter four, verse 29, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Yes, we are being threatened. Yes, we are being persecuted. Yes, uh, our, our leaders have just gone to jail, but consider these threats, but allow us to speak with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. This is their prayer. And after they prayed, the whole place where they were in shook. It was shaken. And the Holy Spirit fell on them, empowered them. They recognized that power. They received that power from the Holy Spirit and they preached the word of God boldly. I love how they prayed for it. They received it. They recognized it. And then they acted on it. That in, in itself is a message uh, that we can go out of here believing and recognizing. But I wonder today, how is your prayer life? What are you praying for? You know, so often I find with myself that my prayers can be so uh, introspective. They can be so much about me and my needs. Uh, I don't know how many times I have prayed for my kids to sleep through the night. Like it is insane. I, I, I find that sometimes my prayers are very self-serving and very self-centered. Maybe you can relate to that. And listen, I am not saying it is bad to do that. We need to give God our needs. We need to share that. We need to bring those things before him and he will bring us peace and he will recognize that he, he is good to us. I am not setting up an either or here. We need to make sure that we are bringing our needs before God. But I think it's important that we recognize that as Christians, we are on 
mission. We are on mission for what God has for us. Jesus has provided the direction and we need to follow that. We're on mission. Christianity was not put in place. Jesus did not come and die and rise again so that we can live a nice, quiet, safe, laid back, uh, a rich, whatever kind of life. That is not why Jesus died. It is not just simply to say, I'm just going to have a ticket into heaven. We receive those things. We can receive peace. We can, we get into heaven when we decide to follow Jesus, when we repent. But that's not the end. That's not, that's not the end goal. That's not the only thing we're called to do. We are commissioned to go and make disciples. We are commissioned to go and see people who are far from God, get this hope of Jesus, uh, spoken to them, given to them so that they can make a decision if they are going to follow him. That is what we are commissioned to do. I love Ephesians 6. It talks about putting on the armor of God, this full armor, because we are going into battle. If your life doesn't feel like you are actually going into battle, like you are gaining ground, like you are doing something for Christ, put on that armor and let's get moving. 2 Timothy 2.4 says, No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. I think for some of us, we are so entangled in the world around us. We are so entangled by trying to please other people by trying to to do enough, to be enough, to make a name for ourselves, to feel good, to feel whatever. We are so concerned with civilian affairs that if someone were mad at us or someone were offended or someone were upset, that would upset us. And we would overthink and we would think about it all the time. But I want to encourage you, let's lift our eyes to our commanding officer, to Jesus Christ and say, what does he say? Because it doesn't say that everyone needs to like you. It doesn't say that everyone needs to think you're the best thing ever. It doesn't say that you're never going to get a bad comment or that you're never going to be rejected or you're never going to fall down. Or you're It says, follow me. Do what I do. Follow the way that he has set before us. That's when we're going to see incredible things take place. That's when we're going to be on mission and actually work out what the Holy Spirit has called us to do. Let's get a revelation of this today, church. We need to be praying for fresh revelation of what we can do during this season. So often it's easy to focus on what we can't do. Well, I can't go to work. I can't go out. I can't do my normal things. I can't be with these normal people. I can't do this. I can't do that. What can you do? Can you send an encouraging text to someone? Can you uh, uh, be generous towards someone who you know is financially struggling right now? What can you do? Can you pick up your phone and call someone? Can you Can you come alongside? Can you pray? All of us can be praying right now. I want to challenge you with that. Let's be praying and be expected that God is going to move and show us. We don't have to try to figure out everything we can do. We have the Holy Spirit within us. We can pray for that fresh fresh revelation and we can choose to act on it. But we need to get some God insight, some God inspiration that comes through prayer. So we need to recognize the Holy Spirit. We need to pray. We need to find our security in Christ. Listen, the disciples and believers at large were being persecuted and there was potential for a lot of fear. And it would be really easy to feel insecure during this time. I can only imagine. These people are afraid for their lives. They just saw Stephen, a leader in all of this, get stoned. They are feeling afraid and it would be so easy to go, I don't know about this. I feel so insecure. You know, a lot of us are insecure. And if you're feeling insecure, you are not 
alone. And I'm not just talking about in this season, I'm talking about in every season. You know, sometimes we see insecure people and and we think that they're actually the most secure people. Sometimes the loudest person in the room, the person who we're like, why are they being so kind of snobby about things? Maybe the person that just needs to kind of brag about stuff all the time, they're probably dealing with a lot of insecurity. Uh, but then we have other people and maybe you're overthinking all the time and you feel like uh, everyone else is more capable than you are and everyone else is more able to do things and, and accomplish things and be called towards things than you are. And you're just going to fail at it. And you're just going to face rejection. It's just going to be so much harder. It would be better if you just sat in the background and didn't do anything. We see that element of insecurity as well. And a lot, a lot of people are insecure. I know for myself, there's never a time where I'm, I feel more insecure than at 5 p.m., at the gym. All right. Maybe you're missing the gym. Maybe you're wishing you were at the gym. Well, I'm going to bring you back to that place right now. I, I go to the gym several times a week and I also miss going to the gym, but I am not a 5 p.m gym goer. I am a noon hour gym goer. Okay. And there is a big difference here. I go at noon at lunchtime. I join a class in the women's only section with 10 other elderly ladies. And we get out a little step and we put on some music and we do this choreography stepping up on the step and I burn a lot of calories. All right. And it's me these other 60 plus women, and I feel very safe and very secure. And I like my gym time. I think it's great. I think it's wonderful. But listen, the, the 5 p.m. gym goers, this is a different breed of individuals, okay? The 5 p.m. gym goers, they are ripped. You know the type that I'm talking about. They are ripped. They know what macros are and they count them, right? They, they are bulking and they are cutting. They are doing four straps and supersets. They've got gains, they've got guns, and, and, and they're maxing out. They are taking pre-workout, they are taking creatine, they are taking protein. This is the, these people, uh, these people are like my husband, okay? These people are like my husband and they scare me because they actually know what they are doing when they walk into a gym space. They know the names of the machines. They know what they need to do. They walk around with a little notepad or a little app open on their phone and they're recording things the whole time that they are working out. They're following a plan. I don't know uh, what these people do for a living, but they are, they are smart, excelling people. They are disciplined. They are a different breed of people. And listen, a couple months ago, I found myself at the gym at 5 p.m. This does not happen very often with our small children. I'm not usually there at 5 p.m., but I was there and I was shocked to see what I found. It was a chaos. It was a zoo. Uh, there were people everywhere and these people looked amazing. And I was like, all right, I don't think I fit in here. Um, I kind of wandered around and looked at some gym equipment as though I had never seen this before in my life. I decided the elliptical would be a safe place to go to. So I went on there for about five minutes and then I got off and I went and I got changed and I went home because I felt insecure about my ability to participate and be at the gym. I was like a lost puppy. But listen, we are insecure about a lot of things. We're insecure surrounding our choices in life, maybe our family, our opinions, our thoughts, uh, what we're capable of doing, our success level, our jobs, all of these different things people get so insecure about. Maybe you can relate in some area of life. Maybe you can relate in a lot of areas of life, but most of us are insecure around something at some point. But many of us are also insecure about our faith. 
Is it okay if I get real here for a minute? A lot of us are insecure about what we believe. We feel like our experience, our testimony, our knowledge about scripture, our understanding is not enough. And we feel like we're not measuring up. And so we get insecure about it. And we feel like we can't be used the way that God wants us to be used. He can't work through us because we're so insecure that we put up a wall and we say, okay, God, I will go this far, but I won't go all the way that you want me to go. For some of us, it's really easy to write amen in the comment section or, or to do that when we're at church and we feel secure. We're around people who believe the way we believe. We're around people who are encouraged by our faith and, and it feels good. But all of a sudden, when we receive a message from somebody that we work with and, and they're not doing well and they're feeling sick, we're like, oh, I don't know if I should ask them if I can pray for them because that might be offensive. That might push the boundaries. That might, that might lead to other questions. If it leads to other questions and I don't know the answer and I don't know where to get the answer, what does that say about my Christianity? And what does that say about my faith? Am I even a real Christian at all? Uh, can God even use me at all? And I just probably should stay away from that. I'll just tell them that I'm, I'm thinking about you. You know, and th this doesn't come out of a bad place, but it is a real issue that the church is facing. And as long as we remain insecure and so worried about what everyone else thinks, so worried about being offensive, so worrying about, um, about not being able to measure up and please the people around us, so afraid of rejection, we are going to not be able to push forward in the way that God wants us to. We are going to allow persecution and fear and insecurity hold us back from what God actually has for us uh, in this day and age today. Listen, for some of us, we feel like we are at the gym when it comes to our faith and we have no clue what we are doing. But we need to find our why in Christ. When we don't uh, realize, what we don't realize about insecurity and feeling inferior is that everyone is feeling this way in some capacity. But the only way to become secure in Christ and actually find that security is to have a personal revelation for today. And we need to have a fresh one every single day. This is why we need to read our Bibles. This is why we need to pray. This is why we need to talk with other believers, meet in our connect groups, grow in our faith. It's not out of some religious duty. It's because the world around us desperately needs secure Christians to be able to come into their situation where they are afraid, they are unsure, they are worried about what is happening right now. And to be able to come alongside and say, I see you, I'm praying for you, I love you in a genuine way. How can I help you? How can I come alongside? How can I be with you? And listen, I have a hope that you need to log into. I have a hope that, listen, you need. His name's Jesus Christ. Why don't I introduce you to him? And listen, just invite them to come to church online. Just invite them to join us here. You know, we have the opportunity because the Holy Spirit draws people. Jesus' death and resurrection saves people. But we get to tell people. We need this awareness to grow. We need the security to grow in Christ so that we can keep telling people about Jesus. And then the final point here, we need to stay the course. You see, Acts is an incredible book of the Bible. As I said, it gives us a bit of an overview and it's full of adventure. It's full of excitement. It's full of crazy stories. I encourage you, read the book of Acts. I know Brandon preached out of it last week as well. And like, it's just nuts, the things that happen here. So read the book of Acts. But I think that the end of this book is actually so telling of, of what it looks like to stay the course. 
You know, as I mentioned earlier, Saul, who at the beginning of the book, the book of Acts is persecuting Christians and, and then has this incredible revelation take place and becomes Paul and, and goes on to, to recognize, Hey, this is the truth. This is the way and introduces this gospel message, this good news of Jesus to so, so many people. At the very end of Acts, we find that Paul is arrested. He is in chains. He has been preaching to the people who have taken him captive, to those authorities, and many of them are not choosing to believe. And he's like, I don't know what to do. It's like he's tearing his hair out of like, why aren't these people believing? And what can I do here? And and he keeps pressing forward. He keeps staying the course. But the very last verse shows a man who has been faith-filled and relentless in his pursuit of others. He is under house arrest. And this is what is said of him in verse 30. He proclaimed, Paul proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. I think it's incredible that Paul was under house arrest. He could not leave his house. And yet this is still what is said about him, that he preached with all boldness and without hindrance. For some of us, we feel like, oh, we're so hindered right now to preach the word of Christ, to actually make a difference, to actually do what God is calling us to do. We'll just put that on pause and we'll jump back in when we get back to normal life. Paul was under house arrest and he was still said to be doing it with all boldness and without hindrance. It's because Paul had a bold revelation of what Jesus had done for him that he could not help but get that word out, spread the word, love people, care for people, come alongside and see the name of Jesus made famous. You know, if someone were to say that about me at my funeral, man, that would be the greatest gift that I preach the word of Jesus with boldness and without hindrance. But I don't want to wait. I want to do it now. Paul did it while he was under house arrest. Paul did it then. What are we doing now? We have technology like no other. We have ability like no other. And again, we don't just have to come up with this and decide to be innovative ourselves. When we recognize the power of the Holy Spirit within us, it bubbles over that we can't help but have ideas coming forward of how we can love other people. Get on board with things that are happening here at church. Join a team, join a connect group, get part of what City Impact is doing. Figure out ways. Don't wait and sit back for someone to come to you and give you every tool that you need. You have every tool you need in Christ. Ask the question, what can I do? What can be I be a part of? My security is in Christ. I recognize that the Holy Spirit is in my life. I'm going to pray because prayer is not something that is secondary. That is the front line of what we need to be doing right now is praying. God, what would you have me do? God, would you move in this way? Would you allow me to have boldness? Would you allow me to have security in you? God, I don't have to figure this out on my own because you are good. Your burden is light. I can be yoked to you and you are going to guide me through all of this. You are not alone in trying to figure this out. This is not a message that should be burdensome for you. This is a message that is freeing for you because we get to walk out the calling that God has for us. Listen, church, today you might need a fresh revelation of who Jesus is, and we all do. Maybe you've been navigating the past several weeks just focused on what you need, what you can't do, where you are at, but God can meet you right there. But let's not just focus on ourselves. Let's lift our eyes to the world around us, see the desperation, see the need. Let's not underplay it. Let's not pretend that people are okay. People are not okay. The people that you are working with are not okay. 
They need this hope in Jesus more than ever before. We need to pray. We need to recognize that the Holy Spirit is here. We need to find our security in Christ so that we can do what he has called us to do and we can stay the course. Listen, maybe you're watching this message right now. You're engaged here and you're going, I I am not a Christian. I don't really know much about this, but I, I got here somehow uh, where I am watching this and I'm interested in what's happening here. Listen, Jesus sees you exactly where you're at. Nothing that you've done is too bad or too far gone or too messed up or too screwed up to count you out of the love and grace of Jesus. Jesus came and died on a cross for you, for you. And he rose again so that you could be saved. Listen, it's very simple. If we profess with our mouth, and believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord, we are saved. The Holy Spirit comes in, we get a fresh life in Christ. And I am so excited that I have the the ability to lead you in that today, to come alongside you in that today. So wherever you're at, let's bow our heads, let's close our eyes. Let's just take a moment to stop and think and reflect. And listen, if you know you're a Christian in this place, why don't you pray for people right now who are not? Let's not let this be a moment where you just check your phone or get distracted or do something else. We have the ability to pray for people who are wrestling right now with this decision. But if you're going, hey, that's me. I need to get right with God. I need to make a decision. I need to accept his salvation. I need to come and be a part of this and belong here. I just wanna encourage you today that as I pray, you just say in your heart, yes, God, that is for me. And listen, in the chat right now, we have something that comes up that you can that you can digitally uh, raise your hand, that you can digitally make that decision. Why don't you click that? That's just a proclamation that you are saying, yes, I want to make this decision. I wanna be a part of this. Our team's gonna reach out. You are not alone in this. Listen, we love you already. We want, we want you to have your questions answered and that sort of thing. But listen, if you're making that decision right now, Let's pray together. God, I thank you so much that people are turning to you, that hearts are being saved. Jesus, thank you for coming and dying on a cross, rising again. Right now, we repent of our sins. Jesus, we know you can take them. We know that you throw them as far as the east is from the west, Lord, and that you have saved us by grace. So God, we look to you. Would you just uh, uh, fill us today in your name? Amen. Amen. Well, church, that is so exciting. I hope you are celebrating right now uh, alongside people who have made this decision. But listen, if you're here and you're just going, I need a bold revelation today. And I think every single one of us needs a bold revelation today. I will be bold in that and say, listen, if you're sitting back right now, I encourage you to sit up because God has a plan and a purpose for your life in this season right now, if you are open to allowing him to do that. But if you need a bold revelation today, just a fresh revelation for today, I just want to encourage you to agree with me as we pray together. Jesus, you see the potential of this church and you are working through us in a different way than we expected when we went into January 2020, God, but in an incredible way. Lord, we just release this constantly to you as a church family, as a whole. Do in us what you want to do, Lord. Would you just bring a fresh revelation, God, a fresh acknowledgement of the Holy Spirit within us. I pray that we would, we would be prayer warriors like never before. 
Lord, may we just stay the course. And I pray for security in us as believers, that our security comes from you, God, so that we may not be held back by our fears, by our insecurity, our tendencies, God. But just like that early church in Acts, that when we face hardships, when we face uncertainties, when we're not sure what that looks like, God, that we would be able to step forward and say, even if we don't know everything, you are good and you have a plan. Lord, may we be tender this week to the revelation, the things that you are calling us to do in this week, in this sphere. May we love like no other. May we pray like no other. May we come alongside people like no other. And Holy Spirit, would you guide us in every single moment of this? We pray all of this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks so much, church. So excited for the week ahead. What an incredible message. Thank you, Pastor Emma, for sharing your heart and what God has placed on your heart for our church uh, this week. We absolutely thank you. Hey, if you made a decision to follow Jesus, just a few quick steps that you can take. Uh, firstly, um, in the chat section, if you're watching live, you'll see there's an option to raise your hand. Why don't you do that? It's an act of of uh, an, an, an outward act of an internal decision. An even bigger step, and the one that we really encourage you to do, is to go to slatechurch.com connect and fill out a connect card. In fact, if you're watching live right now, there's actually gonna be a link in the description or in the comments. And if you're watching on YouTube right now, there's actually a link in the description, so you can just go to it right from there. We'd love for you to fill out a connect card and let us know that you made a decision to follow Jesus. This allows us to follow up with you and just make sure that you have all the resources you need on this new journey of faith. Hey, it's a decision made in private. It's meant to be lived out in public, but it's not meant to go uh, to be gone alone. So we would love to connect with you there. Uh, for anybody else that's just tuning in right now and hasn't filled out a connect card, go to the same spot, all the same places. We would love to connect with you and make sure that uh, uh, we're able to meet, meet you and get to know you a little bit more. If you've never been to Next Steps, Next Steps is essentially exactly what it says. If you're wondering what your next step is here at Slate Church, whether you've been coming for a while or you've just tuned in recently uh, to our, our church online, we would love to encourage you to go to Next Steps. Again, link in description if you're watching on YouTube or if you're watching live, it's going to be posted again in our comment section. But we'd love to invite you to this Zoom call where we go through just some of what the next steps could look like. But it's also an opportunity for you to have any questions answered that you want to know about like what we, who we are as a church, what we do, and how you can get involved. We also have an opportunity to share a little bit about where we're headed as a church. And that doesn't take very long. It's a 10 minute Zoom call. So it's not going to take the rest of your day. Nobody's going to sign you up for anything weird. We love to invite you to that, please join us. Um, also, if you're not in a connect group, make sure you join a connect group during the season. While we can't to get, get together physically during the season, we are able to meet digitally. And it, it is amazing the amount of stories that have been coming in over the past few weeks of people joining all over the world, but also locally uh, within Ontario and the Waterloo region. And real connection is happening during this time. I, I, the biggest thing that I've heard is that um, people don't feel as isolated by being in connect groups during this season. And so that's just, that's a real win for us as a church during the season. We also just want to highlight because uh, it doesn't always get highlighted. And, and, and in fact, it needs to be highlighted a little bit more. During this season, our church is supporting uh, the community at large, but also you if you've been impacted by COVID. If you go to our website, slatechurch.com slash COVID resources, there's a whole bunch of resources there, both the ones that we can direct you to, but also ones that we can 
uh, support you in as a church ourselves. And we just want to let you know that we're standing by you as a church right now. And we are, uh, you know, continuing to be the hands and feet of Jesus, even amidst these times. So, hey, that's all we've got for you today. We're, we're so thankful for uh, the opportunity to meet like this and to be able to engage with one another online. Super thankful for technology during this, the, during this season. Guys, we miss you from all the lead pastors, not just myself. We really do miss you guys. Miss seeing you guys in person. Miss seeing your kids. Miss, miss seeing just you. And, uh, you know, we're really excited uh, for, for the opportunity to get back, get back together. But until then, we're going to continue to lean in, support you guys, make sure you're leaning in and supporting all that God wants to do during this season. We're believing the best is yet to come. We'll see you next, next week, church.